Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by BlackRock Health, providing patients with world-class clinical care and comfort, enabling swifter recoveries. But look first this morning, I'm joined by a man who was for many years one of this country's most popular radio presenters, fronting his much-loved chat show on Donegal's Highland Radio for almost 30 years. Born in England to a dairy mother and a Donegal father, he has, however, now swapped a life behind the microphone for a life-serving God, having been ordained a priest on Sunday last. Father Sean Doherty, good morning to you. Uh, Good morning, Miriam. Nice to talk to you. So nice to talk to you. I love this story. It's uplifting. It's a beautiful story. Everyone in the Northwest, of course, knows your story because you're huge, as they say up there. But listen, when you tell us a little of your background, because as I said, Sean, you were originally born in England, but to Irish parents. Isn't that right? Yeah, I was born uh, close to Stoke-on-Trent, Newcastle under Lyme, and I'm from a family of uh, 10 children. I'm the youngest with a twin sister, uh, although not so young now, obviously. Uh, My mum was, (laughs) mum's from uh, the Bogside in Derry. My dad uh, was from Clonmany. Um, So they moved over when they were in their early 20s, obviously in search of work. My father ended up in uh, the coal mining industry. And um, so that's my background. I was uh, living in London when I was a young man and did a bit of theatre work and a little bit of acting, got an equity card. And um, that sort of was my my foundation, really. That's what I thought I wanted to do. But earlier than that, I suppose Miriam had considered priesthood. I'd been um, involved in the school with the church a little bit and as a 15 year old went away to discern a weekend and really enjoyed it actually but I was worried about the academics. They weren't but I was and it kind of put me off. It frightened me off actually because I was a bit insecure and I thought I wouldn't be able to do it. And then I um, carried on in the in the radio, as you, as you mentioned, I was in the same station for 28 years. <laughs> I was on a pirate pirate radio for a year. Remember when the pirates were around and yeah. then they all had to close and apply for the licenses and Highland got the license. And then I was lucky enough to get a job with Highland Radio. And it was just like, well, it is. It's, it was another family for me, which um, I'm deeply appreciative for. I loved uh, the people I worked with, loved the people that listened. We had great fun and we had hard times and good times, and as you do. And um, that was that was my radio life. And then I suppose about uh, maybe 15 years ago, I started to think a bit more seriously about, well, more about my faith. It was deepening really, you know. And um, I'd come across a priest called Father Neil Carlin many years ago, in fact, when I was in my early 20s. And throughout my life, he's had a profound impact on me because of the type of person he was. He died, uh, it's almost two years now, Father Neil died, mm. but he had a tremendous impact on me. He worked in prison ministry uh, during the Troubles, and then he founded an addiction uh, treatment centre called White Oaks. And he was very, very visionary. And he was a kind of uh, priest and the kind of man that could relate to anyone, no matter what their difficulty or circumstance. And he didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk. So he really had a strong impression on me. And I think he has a, a big uh, part to play in why I am where I am today. Yeah, lots of people thought he was a wonderful man. Now go back. So swapping life from behind the microphone, was it something you thought about for a long time? I mean, or was there a moment when something just clicked for you, Father Sean? Yeah, I suppose there was one moment when I felt it was the right time to 
make a decision to leave Highland Radio. And that came around six years ago when I was in a place called Medjugorje, um, which is in Bosnia-Herzegovina. And I had been going there for a number of years and it was a great place to go as a, as a radio uh, presenter when you just feel like going away for just some quiet space and peace. Um, it, it's a nice, beautiful place, in fact. And lots of good things happen there. Lots of good people there. Lots of people with challenges and difficulties go there just for the... Um, the prayerfulness and the beauty of the place and it's very uplifting and I actually made the decision very peacefully there now of course when making the decision and then following through on it's another thing mm. I came back and I resigned and I think it was a bit of a shock to people but I was discerning very strongly then priesthood even though I hadn't even spoken to the bishop at that point um but that all happened and I've discovered in this journey that you know if you put your foot forward for God uh, and it takes take some kind of strength to do because there's all kinds of anxieties and fears when you change direction so dramatically but if you put your foot forward uh, the doors open I remember somebody saying that to me in fact I remember the vocations director saying to me uh, Father Paul Farron at the time you know it's maybe time to step out into the deep because he'd been listening to me and my journey and that stepping out into the deep was a good word and that's how it felt I remember my stomach sort of going a wee bit then because uh, I knew this is this is serious now what I'm doing and it has been I was in Spain for six months in the Royal Scots College, had a great experience there. That's the propagutic period where you really train to see whether they, they're looking at you, you're looking at them to see whether it's going to work. And then I got sent to Rome and it was during the whole COVID experience. So that added a different dimension to seminary life, as you can imagine. Mm. And I, I um, met some fantastic people. I'm just going to an ordination now of one of my fellow uh, deacons. He's being ordained in uh, uh, Mayo. So I'm heading off there now. And so that's that's been the journey. Lots in between. Um, and Miriam, as you can imagine, and lots of, uh, you know, struggles as you would have uh, as you'd imagine when you're going through a process like this when you're realizing more about yourself than anything else you know it's a time when you really do take a look at yourself and 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 learn about living with other people and coping with uh, your own feelings and how you you know deal mm. and interact with other people even though you think you do that as a, as a presenter and you do of course but this is a very different call, sort of service I'm being called to now but um, I've absolutely no regrets I'm just so grateful that God has given me this opportunity to at my age as well not that age matters to God but uh, <laughs> that at my age I've, I've, I've have an opportunity to to do something and, with my life that and Patron, you said earlier you're lucky you're one of ten you'll never be lonely in your mm. life but what did they all say when you said actually I'm going to stop being this big DJ and I'm going to become a priest yeah, it was interesting because I suppose a lot of the family, um, well, they're not all practicing and and they, it's not as if they were sort of thinking, oh, wow, this is, you know, fantastic. We're going to have a priest in our family. Yeah, that they thought it was it was good. Nobody was negative. But um, it's interesting to see some of their journeys because they've, they've really embraced this. My twin sister actually uh, was stopped coming out of the cathedral after I was ordained. And by the way, I'll be saying my first mass in St. Eugene's Cathedral in Derry for my mother who died, and she was from that cathedral. She was actually baptised, confirmed, married and buried from the cathedral, and that's where I was ordained. So uh, I have said a first mass, but this is the first mass in the cathedral tomorrow night in Derry at, at half seven. But oh. uh, that's a little plug in there. Yeah, Very no, it's lovely. But, but 
as my twin was coming out of the cathedral, the BBC stopped and asked her a question. And she's very shy. I didn't realize she'd spoken to them. And the, and I, I heard this afterwards. She said, I always thought when Sean was a little boy or when he was a child growing up that he would be a priest. So I didn't know she'd said that. didn't even know she thought that. But there you are. So other people perhaps saw something that I uh, myself didn't see necessarily. Um, because when I'd made that decision as a young boy that... Um, I didn't think I could do it and would be for me. Um, I suppose I just carried on thinking, well, it must be broadcasting and must be this and must be that, you know, and it seemed to go well. But there was always something, I mean, that didn't feel completely fulfilled, you know, because mm -hmm. the more I was involved in the faith and not that I've been, you know, any holy angel all my life, you know, and I suppose God will use all of your um, mistakes as well as your your good deeds to uh, to help you along. I think it brings you to a, a, an empathy with people, hopefully well in the future as well. But, uh, you know, going through this and, and deepening in my faith and that, you know, it's just, it's been a Anyway, interesting experience, Mimi. I'm probably talking too much. <laughs> no, I love guests who talk all the time. And listen, the lovely mm. thing is when you were ordained last Sunday, is it correct, yeah. Sean, that it was the first time you had your whole family come together? Yes, because my mother died in 1988. She was only 60 and uh, it was a very difficult time for all of us. She had cancer and she died and it was she died with me in Derry and it was very hard. And the, my sister lived in New Zealand and she's home for the ordination, thank God. And she wasn't able to get there in time. And my brother died when he was 42 and she had just been to see him. He, he only lived for eight weeks, unfortunately had cancer. And on the way uh, back on the plane uh, to New Zealand, he died. So, so that meant this was the first occasion we were all together in all those years. And also cousins, because I've got loads of cousins from mm -hmm. Derry and Donegal, and of a priest who's a cousin in Scotland, Father Daniel, and they all came. So there was a whole ton of Doherty's and Berries. My mother was maiden name was Mary Berry. <laughs> I couldn't forget that. And the Gallas and the Bradleys and all the different family members from Derry and Donegal together. And then the Columba community that I belonged to, and my brother priest and a sister that was with me in Rome, uh, Sister Carmel, uh, was there. And a whole lot of listeners were there from the very earliest days, and so many friends from all walks of life, people from my own tradition, the Catholic tradition, people from uh, the Protestant tradition, people from no tradition, people with no faith and all kinds of colours of life were there. It was quite beautiful, really, you know, and packed cathedral. And it was lovely to see it. And the as you said at the beginning, it's, it has mm. taken me aback, is, is, is that people have been very, very joyful for uh, yeah. me and for what's happening and, and very happy to share in it, you know. No, it's a beautiful story, Sean. And also, I love your prayer card for your ordination. It was, is this correct? The, uh, the lost sheep, a lost sheep. Is that correct? Yeah, yes. Why absolutely. did you choose that? Well, um, because I was very lost and um, I, I think we all get lost in life, don't we, Miriam, mm, at yeah. times? And and the Lord, this image was actually beautiful because when you look at the sheep on the cliff and, and Jesus has, has got his staff there and he's holding on to the cliff and holding on to the the, the lost sheep with the other hand and um, the sheep doesn't look too bothered, too worried actually, <laughs> it's a bit like us and there's a big uh, predator bird coming in ready to, to, to lift it um, it's quite a striking image and 
it's just that I think so many of us um, feel and have felt uh, at different stages of our life lost. And we or, or we look back on life and we think, you know, well, the, God's hand was in that, you know, situation. Um, and we mightn't see it at the moment, but we might see it later on. Um, and sometimes when we're going through bad times and we think, well, what kind of a God would let that happen to us? You know, I met a couple the other day uh, at my uh, first mass and they had lost a child recently. And uh, I, I hadn't mm. known them personally, but they made themselves known to me. And they were talking about this child and I hadn't realized that it was their child. And yet this is the this is always this astonishing thing is when you're going through that, you've every reason in the world, I suppose, to say, you know, where is God and all this? And yet they did have God in their life and they did have faith. In fact, that was what they said was keeping them going. Not that they were in any position to say, I'm feeling okay about this. How could they? They weren't, mm -hmm. but that they still had faith. And this is the incredible thing that despite what happens to people in life, and I've met a lot of people in my life who've gone through awful, my mother lost a child at six and she had the most tremendous gentle that was your sister patricia faith. wasn't it john patricia yeah. yes thank you for mentioning a patricia yeah 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 and you, and you know in a way people reading about you sean said you've great empathy and maybe because i think your parents you were saying found it incredibly difficult to deal with the loss of patricia your sister and then you'd another brother who died so young he was only 42 when he died of cancer so into every life but maybe those experiences have given you that great empathy which, which will stand to you now as a priest, Sean? Well, I hope so, Miriam. And my own, uh, you know, we all have, Miriam, I'm not sitting here uh, in a, I'm actually in a car park on my way to this um, <laughs> ordination. I'm not sitting here um, saying I'm, my story is any better, worse than anybody's. Every single person listening to this program has their struggles, has their pains and will have their pains. And it's through the hand of another always that we are helped, you know. So um, if we look back at all the difficulties and different pains, it's always been somebody else who's been there for us. Please, God, who has listened to us, who and listening is the key, as you know, as a, as a broadcaster, the most important thing is to listen to people, listen to what their story, listen to what they're saying. That's what people, I think, are crying out for most now, apart from stillness and trying to avoid the so many distractions that we've got now that we maybe we try and distract ourselves because it's so hard to deal with some of the pain in our lives. Mm. But that if we're there to listen and be just, just be present, not even speaking, because, you know, we haven't got the answers always. You just sit and listen and hear people first of all and then see where we go from there. Well, that's a lovely reaction to him. One of them on that very point, Connell texted in to say, Father Sean will make a very good priest as he was a very good listener. As a broadcaster, there you go. And Michael and Ramelton says, wishing Father Sean all the very best for his new path in life. Another thing I loved about you as well, Sean, is like you were talking about people who have no, fo no faith or little faith. But even when you'd go somewhere like Medjugorje, you'd come back and maybe bring them something from there. And even people with no faith often want something and are very grateful for having that. It used to really uh, delight me. I, I used to bring back, maybe it would be a little tiny miraculous medal of Our Lady or a little, mm. um, some type of uh, token anyway. And there's a little um, card you get from Medjugorje and it says, if you knew how much you, I loved you, you would cry for joy. And it's got uh, the image of, of the Blessed Virgin on it. And it's a simple little thing goes into a wallet. And I've given that medals to people. I've seen people 
um, show that to me maybe five years late and say, I've still got it in my wallet. And, and, and as you said, people who I might say, no, not to, I would never push anything on anybody that's not the job of a, of a of a catholic or a christian is to push your faith on anyone but i might say well look i brought this back and i i don't remember people saying i don't want that far from it and as you say people who have no faith and yet they they they, they value something like that you know and people will say to you all the time um well will you pray for me i don't go to mass but will you pray for me you mm. know and of course uh, that, of course i do and I, I say back when you pray for me because it's, it's a two-way journey this it's not one way um you know we, we need to be there for each other and uh, people's accompany people where they're at i think you know pope francis is is spot on um our holy father that we need to be accompanying people miriam where they are you know not where we want them to be or think they should be you know hmm. uh, accompany people and that's the church as my understanding since i've been in rome is very much the message i've been hearing journey with people where they are not where you want them to be or think they should be when you woke up on monday morning after you'd become a priest did you feel a difference in yourself did you feel elated did you feel the same did you feel very happy how did you feel I woke up and thought, gosh, that's early. Have I got to get up? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, you just, it, it's, it happens at moments, Miriam. You know, when I was saying mass, um, of course, you, 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 you can't comprehend the, the enormity of it. Um, and, and it's just so enormous. Um, but I, I do, I feel I'm still me. I'm still Sean and um, I'm called Father Sean to people, but I'm still Sean. And I know that um, I have to retain the personality not to be, I mean, I'm nearly too old to change at this stage, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I'm coming up to 59 now. Um, not that that's old. I know people will be saying, don't be mm -hmm. calling me old at 59. But, you know, I am realise I'm not a 20-something-year-old seminarian. I have such admiration for, I've met a lot of young seminarians who are giving their lives to God at that age. And I think, you know, well, I've had a life and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've done things and lived a life and they, they're coming again. I have great admiration for them. But in my seminary, the Beda in Rome, the Pontifical Beda's next to St. Paul's Basilica, our seminarians are are usually over 30, mostly 50s, 40s, some 60s, some who've been married, some with children. And um, they bring a whole rich experience to the church as well uh, that perhaps a younger person hasn't had but will gain. That's not to say that they, they don't have um, something great to give. They do. And they've got youth on their side as well. Well, Father Sean Doherty, first of all, enjoy the ordination you're going to today. I feel privileged and happy to have spoken to you. And wherever you go ministering, I reckon everyone will be very lucky to have you there. Father Sean Doherty, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me this morning. Very kind of you. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Mind yourself. We'll take a break.